Hello everyone and welcome to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. My name is Avid Kahl and I talk about bootstrapping, entrepreneurship and building in public. This episode is called Fear Setting. And first, a word from our sponsor. This week's episode is sponsored by Effie International, a market-leading M&A advisor helping founders like you exit their businesses. And since 2010, they have completed hundreds of millions in SaaS, e-commerce and content business acquisitions. So they've been around. Here's the story about um, Tolu Akinola, who used his passion for tackling challenges across the board to create a solution for frustrated Shopify app users. And after three years of modifying the app that he built based on customer feedback, he decided that it was time to divest of his business. And as he started researching online for the best way to go about exiting, as we all do, because we don't know how to do it because we haven't ever done it before, he saw a common thread. People were successfully selling their business through FA. The National. And he said he filled out a form on the FE website, and then people from the team reached out to him shortly after that. And finding the right buyer was the most crucial thing for him. He was trying to get the sense that whoever bought Delivery Date, his business, would understand that the app was connected to real people with real businesses. And he also wanted someone familiar with Shopify who knows the pros and cons and who was concerned with growing into the level that he knew it could get to. One of the things that made him feel good about going through with the sale was hearing that FE International guys, that they were saying that the prospective buyer had bought multiple apps from them before, and that helped him to see that the buyer was legitimate and would take his consideration seriously. He then successfully exited delivery date through FE International, the spring of 2021. Still was a good time to sell. Um, and if you're curious about how much your business could be worth, and if now is the time to sell, FE International offers free valuations. So just go to feinternational.com to learn more. I recommend it. And now let's get started. While I was working on answering questions for my upcoming Twitter audience building course last week, I ran into this one particular question that I want to talk about today. What if it doesn't work? That was the question. It came in multiple shapes. People saying, what if I spend too much time on stuff and it doesn't work out? What if it doesn't work? Was uh, the actual question there. Or what if I choose the wrong things? And well, my immediate thoughts all went to the random nature of eventual success and how only consistency will pave the way there. I soon arrived at a problem that lies much deeper than that, uh, with a bit of reflection. For many creators, the thought of their product and project or business, whatever it is, not working out is debilitating. Their fear of failing is so strong that it keeps them from actually starting. And that turns the fear into a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? You miss all the shots you don't take. If you don't start, you'll never see it happen. And in my personal experience, one thing has reliably helped me. Getting out of this mental blockade or mental blockades like that. The practice of fear setting. And since I'm recommending it quite often to a lot of people, I want to do this exercise for my own fears right now and in public. And I hope that you'll find it interesting and instructive. It's probably going to help me as well. So... I first ran into this whole concept by listening to Tim Ferriss' podcast and reading his book, The 4-Hour Workweek. It's relatively simple to do. For each fear that you have, that you're conscious of, you envision the worst and you define your nightmare outcome. And once you define it and start reflecting on it, it starts losing its power. You start thinking about how to salvage a situation like that. You'll find that even, even though it might be a painful experience, you'll come out of it encouraged and renewed. So let's see if that's true for my fears, shall we? After we sold our business, our SaaS business back in 2019, a lot changed in my life. 
I became a writer and we moved from Germany to Canada. And this change introduced many new things to learn and unknown risks to my life as well. And the biggest one was my career shift from developer to writer. Before my bootstrapping adventure, I had a stable job. I was a salaried developer, software engineer, regular income and clear priorities. But now that I'm responsible for my own schedule and my own work, and no one is telling me what product I should be working on, well, that uncertainty quickly translated into a fear after I started writing. So one of my biggest fears is that no one cares about my writing. There's this voice in my head that tells me that even though my book sales are doing perfectly fine right now, one day they might just stop. And one day the collective population of the small business community will decide that my books aren't worth reading. My nightmare scenario as a writer is not to be read. So I reflect on this. Right? I just try to sit in my discomfort and envision a life where my books, print, ebooks, audiobooks, all the things that I have currently going on, where they don't sell. No more passive income. So let me just do some inventory with my personal finances here. Because passive income isn't the only income that I have. I follow Daniel Vassalo's great many small bets approach. And that means that I wouldn't be strapped for cash anytime soon. I have many other things going on. Occasionally, and I mean very rarely, I guess, I do consulting. The opposite of passive income. It's like the most active kind of income where you spend your time and people compensate it with money. So should I ever need to replace the book money, I would have to spend maybe 20, 30 hours a month talking to people and helping them. And I do that for free on Twitter anyway. So I have something that I can already rely on if that one income stream breaks away. And even if that didn't work, if consulting didn't work, I have another asset that generates some revenue. And that's permanently my little SaaS project. I could go full-time on that and ramp up my sales outreach if I wanted to. And I've been somewhat neglecting this a little because my creator journey has just been so exciting over the last year. But if that ever died down and didn't work out, I have a fully functional SaaS business with paying customers to go back to. And fear setting allows us to embellish the nightmare once we're in it. What if permanent link would implode? The same time, right at the same time, my book sales drop, drop off. And well, I am still a developer. In fact, I'm a developer that has written extensively about finding business ideas within communities. That's what my second book, The Embedded Entrepreneur, is all about. And my first book is about like turning my developer nature into a business. I could just focus my time on embedding myself even deeper in the communities that I'm already a part of, start discovering the critical problems, and then build a business with and for the people. Building another SaaS in any industry that I'm part of is definitely possible. I personally have encountered and noted down plenty of interesting problems along the way over the last few years, and any of them is worth examining for criticality and feasibility. And finally, let's embellish the nightmare a bit more, if I didn't have the opportunity to be an embedded entrepreneur, if I needed to find something else, I could just return to being a salaried software engineer. I assume that plenty of folks out there could use a developer like me with decades of experience and a successful SaaS exit under their belt. I could probably just ask on Twitter and likely be talking to a few founders I admire already within a couple minutes. And that really helps to think about these alternative scenarios in that moment where the nightmare happens. And fear setting to me is an exercise in seeing the bigger picture that you're in right now, actually in, and removing yourself from this in the trenches view that 
be, are often caught up in and teleporting you into this fictional situation from where you can see the whole space. And as you can see, it just opened my eyes to the fact that I've been successfully diversifying the risk of any of my small bets failing. If one of them breaks away, I have several opportunities and the time I need to just line up the next one and replace it. But, and this is where this... Um, Fear setting approach is so interesting because the moment you dive into this, you see connections. Most of these opportunities depend on my existing audience on Twitter. I have painstakingly built this, a public reputation, an audience, a following on the platform on Twitter for years now. And that in induces an equally horrifying thought right now. And that is what if my Twitter account gets blocked? I know that I would have to do something exquisitely stupid for that to happen, but this exercise isn't about likelihoods or statistics, it's about worst case scenarios. So imagine that overnight Twitter decided to remove access from to my account. And for added horror, I wouldn't be able to use any support channels to get it back. I'd be gone, I'd be blocked forever. And at this point, I in my life, I guess, I'd value my Twitter audience to be quite a significant chunk of my net worth, if you can quantify relationships like that. But there is a lot of opportunity bundled up on a, in, a, in a Twitter audience like this. So losing that would hurt immensely. I'd be cut off from thousands of my people, friends, acquaintances, like lots of people that I admire and learn from, they would just be gone. But it would not be the end of the world because I'm prepared. I know that platform risk exists and I've written about this extensively and I always tell people about it, right? To, to diversify and don't just be on Twitter. And I've taken those steps to diversify my own audience. I have a newsletter with over 5,000 subscribers. I have a podcast with a significant number of listeners. And I even have solid audiences on Product Hunt and <clears throat> LinkedIn, right? I'm not just on Twitter. And if I had to rebuild my, or even relocate my audience, I would have many lists and eco audience members within those groups of people to help me rebuild. And growing an email list is my insurance against deplatforming. Email is a platformless medium, and I make sure to export and back up my existing list at least once a month. In addition to my newsletter subscribers, which are my main list, I also have a list of all my Gumroad customers who ever bought something from me. And if I ever needed to reach my audience or my paying customers, I would have a way. And even in the scenario of having left Twitter, the podcast lives on, the blog and all my content is still there, and my tweets are also safe. Why? Because every few months, I download the complete archive of my Twitter data from my account page. I just did it a couple days ago because I needed it for my upcoming Twitter course, where I will put the complete list of all my tweets as part of the package, right? It's going to be part of my course. And it might take some work to make use of them to parse the data and structure in the right way, but I have it. I have the data right here with me and backed up in multiple locations. So whatever happens, you know, I'll figure it out. And again, fear setting shows me that the only thing that I have to lose in this case is the time I would need to put in to restoring these kind of things. This nightmare scenario I initially envisioned was really just an inconvenience, a very annoying one, certainly, and I would not want it to happen, but it's not the end of the world. But thinking about like, the end of the world, well, that brings me to my final and probably most visceral fear. It's not about my work, but about the condition that makes it possible, having a roof over my head. Because what if my house gets flooded? What if a rogue tornado crashes into our little town and takes me to a magical world of witches and 
talking scarecrows, honestly. Though. What if something happens to the very place from which I'm writing this? My books and where I'm creating my course and I'm recording this right now. So let's go there. Let's sit in the discomfort. My house, me not included, is on its way to the land of Oz. And all I could salvage before it flew away was my phone and my wallet. It's just look into this potential hypothetical situation. I would immediately be surrounded by a supportive family right here where I am that would also immediately offer me shelter. I know that because I've been offered shelter many times when I was on vacation and whenever I needed a place to be, they were there. And that would just be my roof over my head protection, right? My financial investments will also be safe. Although I might need to update the digital copies of my important documents, so that's a to-do, I guess. But I don't have all of my investments in cash sitting in my house, obviously. Right? Nobody does that, and nobody should, because that's just not a good idea. And that is safe. I'd be able to get a new computer somewhere, just buy one, or give, have somebody just give me theirs for a second, and I'd be able to restore a backup, because I have those, and I'd be up and running again in a day or two. And even if our house wouldn't vanish, right, if it was like that kind of catastrophe, but just see some major damage like the basement flooding or a leaky roof, we'd find a way around that. I can work from our couch, anybody's couch, and I don't even need Wi-Fi to write. And also, I could just not work for a few months to begin with. I could just care, take care of the things I need to do and not work because that my financial situation allows me to have a couple months of downtime. That's why I have set up these passive income streams as well. Because both the book sales and financial in investments allow me to do what I want to do at whatever point in my life. And this hypothetical situation of something happening to the place that I'm in, it's not a fun situation to be in. It's not enjoyable to think about this. Because we had prior basement flooding, and fortunately we could evacuate all our things just in time. But in the end, what this makes me think of is that these are just things. Right? My office here, tech stuff, like it can be rebought and furniture replaced. We're taking precautions, store keepsakes in high and safe places and stuff, but ultimately we would get through it. For my professional life, it would barely matter. From a personal perspective, it would hurt much more because it's the place where you live and everything, but you know, we, we are protecting ourselves and we can take care of that situation before it happens. And reflecting on this worst-case scenario immediately gave me a few actionable items just now, just to ensure that I'm protected if the worst were to happen. And I'd still try to judo this into a positive experience anyhow. Because in the build and public spirit, I'd probably turn it into a project. Hey, Arvid is rebuilding his home office. Why not document and share that? Or have people tell me what they think I should be having? Why not turn this into like a collective experience? And I believe that's in these dark moments that we can shine the brightest. And fear setting allows me to imagine myself in that context. And I can start planning for all kinds of eventualities. I can start setting up systems to prevent them from happening and soften the blow if push comes to shove. That's what everything I can prepare for these couple things right now. And one thing that I really want to talk about when it comes to fear setting, because you can probably tell that I am prepared for this. And please remember that this is an intentional activity with a beginning, and an end. You're not going to benefit from dwelling on your fears at all times, every day. Fear setting allows you to compact these thoughts and feelings into a time slot, and you will have to let them go after that. It's, it's an activity that you start, do, and finish. And that can be harder than you think, because once your brain is aware of fear, any fear, 
it would remember it and try to work it out. It's just going to be a background task. And that's why fear setting shouldn't be interrupted or done while you do other things. You need to come to terms with every single fear and anxiety you tackle during this process. You'll need to envision the nightmare, sit in your discomfort, find all the good things about that situation, and then leave the nightmare again. That's important. So please do this exercise only when you know you have the time to calmly and intentionally think about things. This is not a spontaneous life hack or something you can just throw in. This is a conscious choice. And fear setting is wonderful. It's not just for your professional life. It can be used for much more than that. You can think about health topics or spiritual questions even, or partnerships, relationships, livelihoods, anything that comes to mind. The boring term for this might actually be some sort of scenario-based risk analysis, but I think it's more than that. I think it's a tool, a mental tool that allows us to face our fears while still putting our animal minds, the, the one kind of mind that only knows fight or flight, at ease. Right? We can confront our problems, we can build strategies, we can set up systems and processes that will help us in the future while making our mind feel like, okay, it's addressed now. So please give it a try. It's been tremendously useful for me. And I promise that you'll come out stronger on the other side. And that's it for today. Thank you for listening to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Avidkal, A-R-V-I-D-K-A-H-L. And you can check out the blog at thebootstrappedfounder.com. You can find my book, Zero to Sold, at zerotosold.com and the Embedded Entrepreneur at embeddedentrepreneur.com. If you've got any questions about this episode, reach out on Twitter or send an email to arvid at thebootstrappedfounder.com. If you want to support me and the Bootstrap Founder Podcast, please leave a rating and a review by going to ratethispodcast.com slash founder. Thanks so much for listening. And have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.